Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. Oh, listen to the celebratory tone. So happy because you know you know why this is a specific kind of happiness, and and I think if I had to try to describe it, I would say that it's the kind of happiness that only comes when thirty faceless billionaires right decide that instead of ruining everyone's year. Yeah, they're going to check the back pockets of the jeans they wore <laughs> last night, scrape up a few million bucks, right? Toss it to a labor union that is responsible for all of their riches, right? And allow baseball to continue. I think it, that's that. If I had to describe it, I think that's how I would describe it. It's it's like the beautiful ending of like a Christmas story, right? It's yes. just it's just he's like boy, you know, and then they flip the the coin through the you know, get me the the, the best goose. That's right. Um, yeah, it's uh, well. This let's just say this. Let's set let's set the scene here. This is this is an emergency podcast that Correct. we are putting together because. It is Thursday evening, Thursday uh, night, and uh, I would say it's only been about four or five hours ago that the uh, owners and the players, after a, I, I could have this wrong, a 6,439-day lockout, <laughs> um, are uh, decided to play ball again. Deci- and it's, it's, it's this celebratory moment that was that was achieved through, like, the ugliest process, even today's process. Yeah. It, even right? today, even in the resolution, it was still annoying and disgusting. It was still annoying. It's like the players voted, like the players committee voted eight nothing to to turn down the deal, which tells you how bad they think this deal is that they're getting, or how much they hate the owners. Both, a little bit of both. Some of the owners voted against it, but the but the great thing is the owners who voted against it are not like the usual. Like we don't want to spend money, owners. Like you know, it's not like the Reds owner or whatever. But like the Mets and Yankees, but like the like the biggest markets were like, yeah, this is terrible. I think it's Mets, Astros, Cardinals, Yankees. Were those Yankees? The teams that those voted four. No? Those were the four that voted no. Yeah, great. Like Thanks, literally guys. the most storied, <laughs> two of the most storied franchises. The the guy who the, the the team run by the richest person in baseball, and then and then the cheating uh, Astros. So you know, I mean, that's so nobody's like happy, but yet they're playing ball, right? And which is like all that matters at this point. Okay, so let's just take stock of of a number of things before we put before we put this ugly incident behind us. A couple yes. things to say about this. 
It was the second longest work stoppage in the history of baseball. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Uh, 99-day lockout. Right. Um, the second longest after the 94-95 strike. Right. Which is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that we just endured the second longest work stoppage in a sport that has had more work stoppages than any other sport. Right. 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 We They happened in the 80s and 90s. They happened like constantly. Most of them happened in the off season. We just didn't, They so they didn't affect anything, but they happened a lot. Yeah. And like they would happen like in the 70s, particularly before we were really, like they would happen and they would like knock out like four games or something. Like, yeah. you, like you look back at it, a team's record, you're like, why did they only play 156 games? Oh, yeah, it's because there was some sort of stupid uh, strike or lockout or something. Right. Uh, but, of course, back then, we knew what they were fighting for. That was the other thing, is, like, in the 70s, you might, I mean, people were, were against the players and pro-owner, you know, plenty back then, too. But everybody understood, like, oh, okay, I get it. They're fighting for free agency they're fighting for their pensions they're fighting for like okay they're like some of this makes sense and 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 this time around um a 99 day second longest in baseball history stoppage and i don't think almost anybody could tell you what it was about well except you because you wrote about it extensively <laughs> and yes you wrote correctly that after a certain point the answer to that question is money. It was money, about money. Right, it was simply right. money. And it money the money came in very different forms. It was minimum salaries for, for players. Right. It was a pool of money to be to be distributed to guys who were in their first six years, arbitration eligible and pre arbitration eligible players who had extraordinary years. Right. And now if there's you know, there are things in this deal like, for example, if you are in your second or third year, if you're Fernando Tatis Jr. and you win the MVP in your third year, you get a two and a half million dollar bonus, stuff like that. So they were arguing over the amount of money that would be in that pool of money. Then they right. were arguing about minimum salaries. Then they were arguing right. about what the competitive balance tax, essentially the soft salary cap of the sport yes. would be. The players wanted it dramatically increased because that, even though it's a soft cap, the owners still use it as a way to to keep to suppress salaries and essentially yeah. to collude with each other because these you know there are there are organizations like the Dodgers who go all in and are like we're going to win a world series we don't care we're billionaires we're going to spend whatever it takes and then there are others like for example the Boston Red Sox owned by John Henry also owned <laughs> Liverpool and a NASCAR racing series and a Formula 1 series and i right. think he he owns a he owns Portugal, I think, Port the nation of Portugal. <laughs> he, Portugal, uh, that's right. That's right. He uh, he started Google. He owns most <laughs> of Apple. He owns uh, he owns a third of the moon. You yes, the, the third of the dark side of the moon. He has the mining rights to that. I heard he literally cornered the market on cheese. Yes, he owns all the cheese in <laughs> he America. Owns if you're all eating, cheese. Not the, not the international market, to be fair. Only the American okay. only, cheese. Only the American market. market. Well, that's, so all, that's only a percentage. Every time someone eats cheese, he gets a 20 cent royalty. <laughs> and anytime anyone thinks about eating cheese, he gets five cents. So five he cents. has a lot of money. And yet, some of you may remember, I don't think we've talked about this much. We haven't podcast, talked about it on this But some of you may remember that Mookie Betts was traded in part to reset the salary tax because yeah. they didn't want to pay the extra money. <laughs> so that competitive balance tax, even though it's a soft cap, is used by even the wealthiest owners yeah. in order to suppress 
salaries for free agents and say, like, I'm really sorry, we can't help you. We can't pay you more than this because of the salary tax, et cetera, et cetera. So the players wanted that to dramatically increase. Right. It ended up increasing a little bit. Um, Yeah. It went up, I think, 10 million starting uh well more more than more than 10 because they 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 added another 10 so it was oh okay. it was 210 went up to 20 so it went up to 20 million dollars which is look i still don't think it's up to revenue level but, no. and we should say you cuz you keep calling it a soft cap and that's and that's fair but in 2016 they made the salary cap much more onerous and right. much more expensive so it became certainly, you know, and obviously we've been through a pandemic, so it's hard to tell, but it kind of became a hard cap. I mean, nobody wanted to go over it. And if you do go over it, you only want to go barely over it because they they have a surcharge for going over it, 20 million, going over 40 million, and now going over 60 million, which I don't even, like literally they had it to the point where you were paying like a 90% tax right. on every dollar over $40 million. Right. Uh, uh, you know, that was that was over the, the threshold. And the threshold wasn't going up. That was the other thing. It's like the threshold was essentially staying in place. And that is why for the last five years, uh, and, you know, and COVID, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you, right. you, you do want to say COVID's a big part of it. But even so... Salaries uh, were less in 2021 than they were in 2017, even though revenues had gone up dramatically. Right. So, so yeah, so that was the fight. That was and and that was sort of the the righteous fight to me. Like that was the one thing. And obviously, I, I don't think they would have they wouldn't have had a lockout or um, or any kind of stoppage over minimum you know salary like like that was that's just so little money to the owners but but the luxury tax is real money to the owners but uh, it's just it's so phony because it's it's like it's it's this complicated instrument that is used to um for the owners impose it upon themselves and the stated purpose in its original form is we tax these rich teams that go over this amount and that money is then given to the lower uh, revenue teams the smaller right. market teams to give them a fighting chance at competing right. with the higher market teams but really all it is is a way for all of them to say sorry we can't pay you more money right. because we can't right. go over this tax so the more onerous it is there the more they get to argue yes this is good for the small market team yes. see because it's you're going to get more money but if none of them ever go over it then it's completely pointless. And so what you have is a situation where 30 guys uh, who have given been given a, a federal antitrust exemption by the U.S. government, and <laughs> thus correct. no one can compete with them. There can't That's be right. any other baseball league. So they've already formed these 30 uh, virulent capitalists <laughs> have formed a socialist collective. That's right. A system of non-compete, non-capitalistic, socialistic, non-compete process, and then impose upon themselves a second level of socialism, yes. which involves the redistribution of wealth uh, to the smaller market teams in the event that they accidentally spend too much money. And then, <laughs> essentially, they collude with each other in yes. order to not ever have to give any of that money to the smaller market teams and also to suppress the wages of the labor union that they that they deal with. <laughs> it's just 
it's all nonsense. And and I think it, what's interesting is, and maybe you, we, I, I want to go over all of the terms of the deal because yeah. I think they're interesting. But also, I wonder if you think, as I do, that for the first time maybe ever, there has been a little bit of a shift in terms of the way the media reported on this story and the way the fans received it. Because in the past, the owners have been very, very good at promoting the uh, this is millionaires versus billionaires, right. and these guys play a kid's game for fun, and how dare they stop the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it feels to me that most people were on the side of the players this time around. Is Do you, yeah. do you think, am I, am I crazy, or do you think I have something? I, I, do, I definitely think you have something as far as the, the best baseball writers in the country um, were generally reporting it that way. Not not all of them. There there were certainly people who were who were you know not you know maybe more in the middle or maybe pro owner to some degree. We saw some of that with the you know when when the AP reported you know that uh, Max Scherzer showed up in a Porsche or whatever it was. Oh God, um, yeah, right. Yeah, that was, was bad. That was, that was bad. <laughs> and and they actually had a couple of things at the AP that were to me seemed pretty shaky, but. You know, guys like Jeff Passan and and uh, and Ken Rosenthal, um, who I think were leading the charge, um, were strongly pro player, and 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 I think that that was very reflective. I think the players did a better job. I, look, there, I have problems with the players too. I mean, I wrote about this today. I I thought that the committee the players put together, the executive committee they put together to negotiate, was a very bad committee. I mean, it was. It was it was not reflective of the game in my opinion at all. Yeah. There were no Dominican players on it. They were all incredibly wealthy, uh, longtime you know free agent you know success stories, and and so I don't think that was a very good job. But that said, I thought the players kept had great discipline, and I think that for the most part they were able to get across what it is they wanted. I think that they lost the thread. I think a little bit at the end. But for the most part, they were like, look, this is this is really simple. The revenue of the game is going up, but our salaries are not. And right. and that's that's the story here. And that's you know, and and they also were saying we didn't strike. We're we want to play ball. We're ready to go. We're ready to play. Now, obviously, some of that is is a a, a little bit of a, a a fake, right? They could obviously they wouldn't strike until the season, right? I mean, that's obvious, you know, for for when they could you know, have it matter more or whatever. But still, I thought the players did a very a good job. And I think so. I think a lot of reporters, but I have to say, I heard from a lot of fans who blamed the players. I really? mean, I, I, yeah, I, I heard from a lot of fans. Look, I think, I think the default position for the fans were, you know, a pox on both their houses. And, and I can't blame the fans for feeling that way. I mean, right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, just, Look, I don't care who's at fault. I don't care. You just play baseball. I mean, we've we've had two years of having to deal with this pandemic, and we're finally maybe coming out of it a little bit. And just please, just play baseball. I think yeah. that's how most people felt. I I think there were players, people who were like, "Come on, these players, they they get paid plenty. Enough of this." I don't think anybody though that I know of like like took the owner's side. You know what I mean? Like right. uh, so if that's if that's what you're saying, I think that's right. I I think I think that that a lot of people said both sides were at fault. 
a lot of people, if you ask them which side was more at fault, might have said, ah, I don't know, players maybe. Um, but I don't think anybody was like, oh, yeah, the, you know what? The owners are, are they're awesome. Like, no, they, <laughs> they, 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 didn't, they didn't have like a fan club going as far as I know. Right. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a better way to put it is less that everyone understood that the owners were at fault and more to say no like no one was on the owner's side. Right. Like that's right. that which is a di- there's a difference there. I right. think that's probably right. Now, okay, so let's so let's go through this because I I want to I want to play a game and you know this, you know the details of this better than than I think probably anyone does. So, let's look at the uh where they settled. Yes. And then what I want to do is go back and look at the opening offers. <laughs> and I want to see if, as I am guessing, and I haven't looked at the details, whether it's essentially right in the middle of of where yeah. they op- yeah. the opening offers were. So, for example, the minimums, the new minimum salary, I believe, is 700K, right? Right. Okay. Right. So what did it used to be? What was the offer the the owners made? What was the request from the players? Do you remember okay, offhand? I I know the 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 salary the minimum salary last year was five hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Okay, I believe that the owners, I think that they started, I mean, pretty low six six twenty maybe. I I can't That's remember. What I, I remember six twenty five, but I could yeah, I think yeah. they they started in the low sixes. Okay. And the players, I think, were at 780 when they first started, right? But if that's true, 620, 780, they settled at 700. Right in the middle. Yeah, no, no. I mean, right I, think, I think you can say that one was pretty much... You, you know my story about uh, Mike Brown, the Cincinnati Bengals owner. Um, he was uh, in 1990-whatever it was. They drafted uh, David Klingler, the quarterback out of Houston, in the first round, like really high pick, fourth or fifth pick. Right. And Klingler held out forever, and they made an offer. The uh, Bengals made an offer, and I think that uh, Lee Steinberg was was probably uh, the agent because I think Lee Steinberg was everybody's agent then, and and so they made their offer, and you know they weren't really particularly close, but but obviously you know Steinberg made a high offer, and and uh, Mike Brown famously uh, cheap. Uh, made a low offer. Mm-hmm. And so there was a holdout and a fight and it was in the papers and they were fighting back and forth and back and forth. And this went on for weeks, weeks and weeks. And like, I mean, to the point where it really looked like maybe they weren't going to sign him. Like it was, it was, it was really that, that bad. And, and, and so they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then finally, like right before the season starts, uh, they sign him for literally the exact midpoint between the original <laughs> offer uh, from both guys. And so we were in the press conference with, with Mike and uh, somebody asked him, said, well, Mike, you know, all of this fighting, all of this yelling, all of this screaming, and here we are weeks later and you guys met exactly in the middle. And Mike Brown looked at him and he said, it's unfortunate, but it's the fact. It's just like, <laughs> that's right. It's unfortunate, but all it's right. the fact. Yeah, all of this is going to be in the middle. I think and ultimately it was be in the middle. it was obviously worth it because Klingler led that team to four straight Super Bowl victories. <laughs> well, and... right. Well, three straight. Remember, they lost the fourth. That's one. right. It's three out of four, and then they won the fourth <laughs> it, one a year later. So four was, out of five. It yeah. was either that or 
David Klingler was sacked 223 times in his first in his rookie year, <laughs> and like is still in a bed somewhere. Someone, which, someone should do like a a, doc, a 30 for 30 type documentary about that David Klingler. It was Houston, right, that he played for, where they <laughs> yeah. they scored like 91 points a game. Right, he threw right. for like a, he threw for 12 touchdowns every game. It was, like, that was such was, a weird moment in history. Well, like that whole Houston thing, right? Because wasn't. Didn't there was a quarterback before him, right? Andre yeah. Ware was yeah. was before Andre him, Ware, right? Yep. And it was great because Andre Ware, if I'm not mistaken, and now we're getting into some college football's history, so I'm, I might be a little off. I think Andre Ware won the Heisman. I believe he did. Right for throwing for like seven thousand yards is a you know breaking all sorts of records. And then Klingler, I believe, came after him, and he put up like even bigger numbers. But by then, everybody was like. Nah, you yeah. know, like, like, like we we know what this is. It was, nah, it was, you know? it was, um, you know, it was Andres Galarraga hitting home runs at Coors right. Field. It was like, right. okay, well, this isn't actually real, so we don't have to be that impressed by it. Um, okay, but wait, okay, so so basically, the, the minimum salary thing, right down the middle. So Just about now the middle. Let's yes. let's talk about the pool of money. Another big problem, right, was the pool of money that is going to go to arbitration eligible players in their first six years who have extraordinary years the original offer from the owners i believe was zero am right I, they am were I like correct? we don't worry because there is no there was no fund there was so no fund and we right. don't want to create one because right. we we like money and we want to keep all of our money in our exactly. pockets where we can use it to buy things like uh, uh private jets and right. fancy uh fancy watches but, but it was right. really fun is they were like listen we don't really want to start a fund but we agree younger players should get paid more. That's why we're more than willing to go and give you guys a, a salary floor right. of $100 million. And all you need to do is knock $20 million, uh, 20 or, well, no more, $30 million off the top of the CBT. He, they literally tried to throw uh, something out there where the players would have a $100 million floor and a $180 million ceiling. Right. For, for the, which is which just... And the player's like, no, I think we want this fund more. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so I believe their offer was zero. And I right. believe I could be wrong that the player's initial request was $100 million. I think it was right at there. It was 100 or 110 million. It was, it was, but it was definitely right at the top of three digits. And they settled at Four. 50. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Right in the middle. <laughs> right. So it seems like almost exactly the middle point yes. of yes. those two competing offers that's right right that's right. okay so so far we have two right down the middle things <laughs> um what about the uh what about the comp- the the raise to the competitive balance tax right which was at 210 and uh they settled at 230 in year one is that the is that the first they settled at 230 in year one and up to 244 i believe that the original offer from the pl- from the owners was 218 million 220 million right around I think they offered 218 and then came up 2 million. Y- yes, they did and then but they also wanted it to not increase for 3 years. It was 220 220 right. 220. Right. That was the that, that was the the offer that was on the table for a long time. 220 right. 220 220. Okay, so right. they so they offered an increase of 10 million. The players wanted what? Do you remember? Right around 250, right? 248, I believe is where is I I think that's where they started. I think they they all along were at 248 to 263 I think. Is that right? I think I think that was what they wanted. So in other words, uh, we we Or 238 believe, rather, not 248. 238. 238. So they wanted yeah, yeah, so yeah. they wanted yeah. basically a raise of 30 million 
the right. owners wanted to give a raise of of about ten million. Right. And they then settled it where again at twenty million. Twenty million, which seems to be right in the again, middle. At my math is fuzzy, <laughs> but I think that's basically right in the middle of those two competing offers. Right. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the players wanted eight teams to be included in the draft lottery. Right. Uh-huh. So, right. so the draft lottery is a situation where they want it to be like the NBA because they just don't want the incentive to lose to be as great as it is now, where you have the worst record, you have the number one pick. Right. This way, you have the worst record, you could have the number eight pick, basically. Right. According it's a little to bit their... of a let's, let's not tank. Is the, uh... <clears throat> let's not tank. It's a yeah. pure not tanking thing. The owners originally wanted it to be, I think, three teams. Well, they didn't want it at all. But then I think they were like willing to go up to three teams. Okay. And here's this is wild. They settled at six teams. Huh. Which seems to be kind of right in the middle Pretty. of where those two are, As, are doing. Unless you could create a scenario that involved a half of a team. <laughs> That would seem also to be essentially right in the middle. I'm sure the owners offered two teams first. I'm sure the owners. I'm sure the owners. Uh, they probably had to be pushed up to get it to three teams. Frankly, yeah. yeah. So, so in uh, those are, the, and then you know, there's other issues, right, involving the international draft, whether which are very draft. confusing. Yes, very, very confusing, and and also part of the confusion involved, uh, uh, my beloved. Hall of Famer David Ortiz <laughs> yes. uh, coming out and saying that he was opposed to an international draft and then right. other people pointing out that this was maybe not the best thing for him to weigh in on <laughs> for the simple reason that he owns an organization that helps to place players uh, yeah. in, for yeah. different teams. So maybe don't, shh, David, just maybe don't yeah, talk about this. A... But... Plus, plus the other thing about what David Ortiz did, and far be it for me to stand up for the owners in any way but like he was like look this thing it's too fast you can't have a draft next year it's too fast and it was like nobody's suggesting having a draft next year like like even the owners were saying we wouldn't start this thing until 2024 or whatever i mean it just seemed like david was not it 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 wasn't his best moment let's just yeah it's also maybe not like he he obviously carries so much weight yes amongst latin players that for him to wait to jump out publicly like that i think yeah. was a little distasteful like i think if you really care about this subject you maybe work the phones a little bit right, right? you right. get on the phone to francisco lindor uh, who is a part of the eight-person uh, negotiating eight, committee, yep. senior committee, and you maybe talk it through with him. You maybe talk about behind the scenes. Here's what if we're here's what we would need to make this uh, a good idea, whatever. Right. But just make the kind of blundering into like a public statement, <laughs> maybe maybe not the best move. Regardless, still a great hugger. Still a great hugger. Still, the my my uh, life's ambition is to be hugged by him. <laughs> At, a, at some point. But so so that's not a place where they could compromise 50% right. of the way. But it does seem like, and obviously there were a bunch of different offers at a bunch of different times, but it does seem to the untrained eye that we just spent 100 days, yeah. canceled a week of games, put everyone through the ringer, dented the reputation of the game with fans and the media and, and uh, uh, people the world over for the umpteenth time. Right. When if they had simply said, here's our offer, here's your offer, 
what do you say we split it down the middle? Yeah. We could have avoided everything we just went through. All of the <laughs> ugliness, all of the sadness, all of the misery, everything else we could have avoided if they had just said, we'll meet you halfway. And and you have to know, like the, the thing about these negotiations, I've been part of a certain... At a, at a certain, to a certain degree, I've been part of some labor negotiations on behalf of the Writers Guild. I've never been right. a member of actual member of the committee, but I've done a lot of work with the Writers Guild on various things, and I'm familiar with the rhythms of these things. And what is true, very frequently, I think, is that before you even get the initial offers from the other side, you're pretty sure you know where they're going to come in, right? right? You're pretty you you have a general idea, and and from the labor side. It's very easy to know how management is going to enter the negotiation, which is to say, you're lucky to even be here. How dare yes. you ask for more money? <laughs> not only we're we not giving you anything, we're rolling back everything right. that you've gained in the last 50 years of negotiations. And in fact, the end result is you owe us money. Make the checks payable to ownership incorporated. We'll expect them shortly. And so you know that's what they're coming in with. And what you're coming in with, you have been in, there has been some communication and there's been some membership meetings and there's been some word has gotten around. So the owners are pretty sure that they know most of what you're asking for, plus or minus a few things that you may have held back or whatever. So the owners in all likelihood were pretty sure I'm pretty sure that they knew generally what the asks were going to be on these key issues, sure on the minimum did. salary, all that sort of stuff. So given the fact that in most situations where the industry that you're talking about is immensely, almost relentlessly profitable for everyone involved, which means the incentive to just keep the industry going is very high on both sides. Right. Generally speaking, unless there's something like it's Kurt Flood and Marvin Miller and it's 1964, and we're talking about completely disrupting the very nature of the way that the business is conducted, you generally kind of meet in the middle. You yeah. know what what you know what you want, you know what the other side wants, and the in fact, the reason that you position your opening offer the way you're do you're positioning it is because you think I'm going to we want to meet in the middle on this right so we're going to ask for an amount in all of these different ways that allows us when we meet in the middle to get the sizable advances and raises that we actually are looking for so that's why we ask for 240 or 250 because we know we want to settle at 230 and the way to right. get there is to ask for 250 blah 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 why why did they not just meet in the middle? Why did they have to drag us through this process and make us and cancel opening day? By the way, I'm going to be in Boston, Massachusetts, as it <laughs> happens, for what would have been opening yeah. day 2022. And I, a few weeks ago, uh, actually, uh, probably 100 days ago, <laughs> I or so, I looked at the uh, when the opening day was, realized I was going to be there with my son, and I thought, oh my God, the last opening day I went to in Boston was opening day 2005 when they received their World Series rings for winning the World Series in 2004. And I watched wow. the Red Sox beat the Yankees. It's an event I will remember for the rest of my life. Obviously, this is not quite that. But how fun would it be to surprise my son and secretly get tickets to opening day and go to the game? And now I can't do that. No, nope, <laughs> no. Nope, nope. And I can't do that because... 
instead of just meeting them in the middle, like we all knew they were going to do, right? they locked out the players. They didn't negotiate for two months. They didn't even bring an offer to the table for two months. They slandered the names of the Ugh. all of the leaders of the union. They they cried poor. They cried foul. Rob Manfred went out and had a press conference and weirdly <laughs> smiled way too hard, and and looked absurd. And it looked he looked incompetent and he looked uh, heartless and thoughtless about his job. Yep. And all of these articles got written. Tens of thousands of column inches got written about how screwed up this whole thing is. And then at the end of 100 days, after all of that, after everyone has said baseball is so messed up, these people are so bad, they're not good stewards of the game, they don't seem to care about their fans, they don't seem to care about the product that they are responsible for, they meet in the middle, and now all that happened is bad ugliness, (laughs) and we're missing a week of games. That's it. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it is... it's, It's so the eternal story, right? I mean, the thing is that the owners aren't going to meet in the middle because they deeply believe the players will cave, right? The players don't want to meet in the middle. Well, maybe they would have met in the middle. I don't know. But they're looking for signs of weakness with the owners. And the owners lock out the players in December with some nonsense about how this is going to jumpstart negotiations. They wait two months before even meeting and before even making any kind of offer. When they make an offer, it is completely irrelevant. It's they, they don't come down at all. Remember the remember the like, oh well, we'll come down 50 cents on this and we'll come up, you know, two dollars on this. And so that goes on for, you know, two, three, four weeks. Then the threats start coming. Okay, you know what? We're gonna now opening now spring training is is going to be put back. Okay, now spring training games are going to be put. Okay, now we're going to start threatening. If you don't seriously do this, we're going to cancel real games and we're not going to pay you for them. And Oh, no, and now if you don't come back again, we're going to cancel real games and then more real games. And now there's no chance we're going to have a full season. So the whole thing was absolutely a pressure-packed thing, which is, which is, I guess, what these are. I mean, the thing that's, that is so telling, and you know, you've know you been involved in some of this, so maybe you can tell me. At the end of the day, nobody's going to do something because it's right. The only reason anybody's going to do something is because they feel pressured to do it. Yes, and, and that is, uh, you know, the, in a timeless uh, methodology yeah. for these things is that you— the reason that you nothing gets done until it has to get done. So you wait and wait yeah. and wait and wait, and you don't even really seriously begin negotiating until there's ten days before the deadline. Of course, and then you don't really, really begin negotiating until there's four days until the deadline. <laughs> and that's why you have these absurd scenes of these eighteen-hour marathon sessions and the on the the commissioners group walking back and forth between these two hotel rooms, looking like the saddest group of reservoir dogs who has ever existed, just trudging through these parking lots and they're like ill-fitting suits. So yes, of course, that, that that's just one of the things that is true about these negotiations is that everybody waits until the last second because they want to put an immense amount of pressure on the other side and hopefully we use that to their advantage. Blah, 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 blah. Again, we get it. This is what happens. But at the same time, there is a way, there's a different way that this can go. 
And the way that they can go is the offer is made from the union. The owners get a firm understanding in writing of what it is that they're looking for. They do an immediate calculation of, okay, right. here's what they're asking for, which means here's where they'll settle. Yep. The owners make a counteroffer that indicates to the group that they understand that right. essentially like the way that they move their numbers indicates to the players that they understand what they're asking for and where they will settle. So here it is. And then they uh, basically things move quickly after that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you see what we want and we know that you know that we want this and we know that you know that we know that. So let's just skip all of the annoying stuff and in the name of peace and harmony, and let's just let's get baseball. to the point where we yes. just agree to this. And then and and those sorts of things can be done. You know, there's always sort of like quiet side sessions going right. on. There's backdoor conversations going on and stuff. And you can you can get you can get your message across without putting it in writing, um, meaning that you don't necessarily. Uh, immediately signal too much to the other side by putting right. it in writing and they can take it. Like it's it's all this dance that these guys have been doing, these lawyers have been doing forever. They all know the drill. There's nothing surprising the or shocking about this. And I just like, as like you and I care more about baseball than, what would you say, 99.8% of the people who exist in the world probably? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, right? I would it's, say so. Yeah. yeah, and even I would say 99% of baseball fans, we care more about baseball yeah. than 99% of fans. And what I am left with at the end of this is this really frustrating feeling that I can't shake. And the feeling is the owners of these teams and, by extension, their employee and loyal lapdog, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the game— yeah. Who reports only to them and has only their best interests in mind to the yes. point where, by the way, he tweeted, like, I'm hoping that the players accept this very generous very, and very fair generous, offer, whatever yeah. it was like, <laughs> which is not, again, not something a commissioner should say out loud ever, no, no. unless, by the way, you just don't care. You just don't <laughs> care about how you're perceived or whatever. But anyway, the, the feeling I'm left with is the owners and the commissioner just kind of don't give a crap about baseball they just no. kind of don't they're just no. kind of like you know what like we, this is a business and it's only about business and it's only about money and revenue and yeah the games are fun and it's fun to bring people to the owner's box and <laughs> watch the games and <laughs> and i'm i'm a competition monster which is how i'm became a billionaire and i want to defeat these other guys and so i have bragging rights when we go play pebble beach <laughs> on the on the at on the weekends uh when we fly our private jets to Pebble right. Beach for the weekend to play 18 holes I want to be able to brag about how we won the playoff series against them last year so right. yeah I care about that but honestly you know what if we don't win it doesn't matter the value of my franchise goes up 10% a year and the revenue that we roll in and the creative ways that the federal tax code allows us to write off a, all of the money we ever make and never sure. pay taxes all of these things make it so that this is a investment that will only make me money relentlessly and inextricably for the rest of time. And so I just don't care that much. I just don't care that much about the game. The game's boring. That This is what I'm imagining them saying. It's like the game's kind of boring. And what's fun <laughs> is competition and beating the union and beating these other billionaires who yeah. I play golf with. Well, and I would take it to another level. By the way, you, let's let me let me reiterate the point about surprise. Because one of the things that was so frustrating, and it, it came from both sides, but much more from the owner's side, 
was every time the players would do would make an offer, and to some degree when the owners would make an offer, everybody was shocked. Shocked. Oh my, they 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 went backward on this. They didn't do and nobody's shocked. Nobody's they know exactly what these offers are gonna look like. And yeah. by the way, the minute, the minute that the owners made a legitimate like I wouldn't call it fair, but a legitimate offer on the CBT. By the way, nothing, in my view, can be fair on the CBT because it shouldn't exist. It just shouldn't exist. It's right. it's it's a it's an absolute it was it was put in for for false reasons. I don't believe it does uh, have any impact on competitive balance. No. And and they turned it in. They sneaky turned it into a a, a salary cap. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it's it's shameful. But okay, it exists. It's going to it's going to exist. They can't get rid of it. Whatever. The the minute they came up to like a legitimate number on that to two thirty eight. This thing was over. It was and over. then it was it was over. Literally that day. And then, you know, then there was, you know, a little back and forth, a little fighting, a, you know, a couple of volcano eruptions over the international draft, whatever. But it was over. Substantially over. Yep. And you you're telling me they couldn't have made that offer in January? Are you serious? I mean, like, you know, they just didn't want to. They just yeah. didn't want to. Because if they could have saved one million dollars on that CBT. It was worth it for them, you know. Yeah, I know, and, and that's and that's exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that like, look, we're not stupid, we're not naive. We understand this is a business. We understand that there's an enormous amount of money at stake. We understand that the guys who own these teams got to own the teams because they're ruthless and relentless, and right. they're they're capitalist uh, competition monsters, and blah blah blah. We get it. We get it. We get it. However, it would sure be nice if it felt. Like the owners had a little more Mark Cuban in them or something. Well, but this was so you know? interesting to me. But this is what's so interesting because you were saying that the owners, the only people that the owners like less than the players who have the gall to tell them how to run their business and their game is, is Steve Cohen. Right. Right? Like he does care too much. He cares too much and doesn't care about money the same way and is willing to spend what it takes to try because he's a crazy psycho New York Mets fan, has been his whole life. And for him, owning the New York Mets is not an investment. For right. him, now it, it, look, the guy is he's evil. He's he's an evil guy <laughs> on so many levels. I'm not sitting there trying to like but but as an owner, yeah, he's in it for exactly the right reason, and he yes. does love baseball, and he does love the Mets, and the other owners hate him for it. They literally put in a special subtax, a, 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 a little surcharge, just for him. Literally, there's nobody else is going sixty million dollars over the cap, right? But they know he will because he will do anything to win. And the great thing is he's the he's the richest guy out there, so he has the fu money, and he will absolutely go over that gap anyway. He doesn't. Yeah, care. well, that's that's what's fun about a true psychopath <laughs> who's a who's a rabid fan, right? Because right. there's a story about Steve Cohen that uh, I believe uh, I'm going to certainly get the details of this wrong. I apologize, but on the day, you know, he basically he was banned for life. Right. by the SEC from from uh, participating in certain kinds of economic activity <laughs> because of all of the fraud 
right. and the lying and the and the uh, cheating and the insider information. And uh, he didn't care because he knew that when you're as rich as he is, you don't go to prison. Right. And so ultimately what happened was one of his top lieutenants went down for the crimes and yeah. was sentenced to a pretty substantial jail uh, time in my yeah. in my recollection. And on the day that that happened, he like bought at auction like a some kind of like Picasso or something that costs like $162 million. Like, and he did it the day that the sentence came down and the message was unmistakable. It was, I don't care about this. This doesn't affect me. I am not shamed by this. I don't, I'm untouchable. There's nothing you can do to me. Like that guy is not going to be cowed by no. the other 29 owners putting in a luxury tax uh, asterisk that's essentially just for him. In fact, if anything, he's going to relish the opportunity to blow right through that limit oh, yeah. and try oh, to yeah. win a World Series for the Mets. <laughs> and as evil as a dude as he is, and as much as as I think ugly it, as it is for him to own a team and to participate in Major League Baseball at the ownership level, and as much as I think and would love to believe that there that there should be some sense of integrity to right. who they allow into their little uh, non-compete socialist <laughs> collective. Uh, I do think that in this arena, this is why you want guys like that in yeah. your club because I don't know the names of most of the owners of my favorite sport. I don't right. know who they are. I've never heard them talk. I know nothing about them. And the reason is because that's how they want it. They want yeah. it that way. You know, right. this isn't the Premier League where everyone knows that Roman Abramovich until recently <laughs> owns Chelsea and everybody knows that John Henry owns Liverpool. Right. Like everybody knows that the Glazers own Man U, whatever, whatever the situation is, because those guys are Roman emperors who are standing up and proclaim, proclaiming themselves to be Roman emperors and presiding over the festivities <laughs> at their Coliseum. But in baseball, these guys are just faceless, random billionaires, and they like it that way. They don't want you to know who they are. They want you to, they they want you to focus on the fact that Max Scherzer drives a Porsche, and not on the right. fact that they all drive four hundred and fifty foot yachts. Right, right. No, it's one hundred percent right, and that's why, you know, there's there is a big part of me that is, is like, man, I I don't I don't want Steve Cohen to be in my life or anything. Um, <laughs> you don't want him to hang out with you? But I'm thrilled he's, he, like, he owns the mess. Like, like, like he, like, like, it, at least from that perspective, the guy is a hardcore sit in front of the television, watch your team play every day Mets fan. Yeah. And man, I don't know. I mean, look, I wish he was a, nicer guy I hope you know but but guess what if he was a hardcore uh watch you know every game in front of the television Mets fan who was working as a plumber he could not own a baseball team so so whatever it took to get him to buy the baseball team yeah I'm not I'm not crazy about any of that but man how much better would it be if the, if the game and that's Part of what's really cool about the Premier League, nobody in the everybody in the Premier League is damn well trying to win. Yeah, I mean every owner, it's like this is life and death for these people. Yeah, and kind of that's what I want. And and yes, because you do that, then salaries skyrocket and things go up, and and there's real competition. But man, it's I you know you and I uh, 
can tell you just again and again and again what a terrible, terrible, you know, phenomenon George Steinbrenner was. Mm-hmm. But he damn well made the game more he fun. Really <laughs> he, he really cared. He really cared about his team winning. Yeah. I mean, you know, the this is one of the interesting things to to watch for in the few, in the next decade of sports is whether the NBA goes through with this these rumored discussions about having in-season tournaments and this sort yeah. of thing because the thing that makes the Premier League so great is that there are there are genuine um uh there's obviously like a, a there's a the huge prize is you win the league right, right? and that and right. that that league is one except for the year Leicester won a few years ago it's always one of the same teams it's always right. man u always. man city liverpool yes. chelsea right so right. but but the way that they keep interest going in a yes. in a fairly large league is there is a huge benefit to being top 4 top there's four. a huge benefit to being top 8 yep there's a huge benefit to not being in the bottom of yes. the league because you get relegated. Which reminds the... me of something I want to talk to you about. Okay. There's also the FA Cup and yes. the Carabao Cup, which are yep. in-season tournaments in which every team from any of the divisions all the way down to the sixth division. <laughs> Just in, a bar team. In theory, a, a local yeah. club team. It's, it's basically like a beerly Jason Kander's fast-pitch heart wood bat league team in if it were if this were the British system could beat the beat the LA Dodgers in a tournament and yes. win a trophy. <laughs> so they have this system where even though you know whoever Norwich and and uh, and all of these teams at the bottom of the conference uh, at the bottom of the table coming into a year they know unless you're Leicester from a couple of years ago they know they're not winning the league but they have a top eight. Uh, they they might think, hey, maybe we can get in the top eight. They might think maybe in a, if everything goes well, we can get into the top four. They also have FA Cup matches that, that are going on all the time. And they can make a deep run and their fans can get really excited about them making a deep run into the FA Cup. So with things like that, there are ways that that the fans of the teams and the actual teams themselves have different goals year to year and different levels of of achievement that they can attain and that just makes the whole thing be more about the game it makes it more about the actual product as opposed to now that we're you and i are excited because the baseball season's starting you know who isn't probably that excited most orioles fans (laughs) and yet if if this were in the if we were playing in the premier league type world Orioles fans might think, you know what's going to be fun is we have uh, an FA Cup match against uh, against the Yankees yes. in the, in April. And like, you know what? Anything can happen. We can right. beat the Yankees on right. a home and home. Like, what? Maybe we'll win. Maybe we'll knock the Yankees out of the FA Cup. <laughs> and that's, I think, the kind of thing that would make these leagues more about the intensity and the, and the spirit of winning and the on-field stuff and all that. Like, you could have measurements for success that vary instead of what we currently have, which is just basically like you make the playoffs or you don't. And the teams that suck know they're going to suck. And I don't know. I, I, this is all like a sort of big picture Eagle eye view of baseball, but I think that those owners would cease to be as faceless as they are. If, if there were other kinds of competitions that the teams could actually engage in and win and that it really started to matter, like how the team is run year to year instead of like, these these kind of moribund franchises that just go into every year without any hope of 
ever doing anything interesting or meaningful for their fans. Okay, so this leads into a great topic for us. Did you happen to see Chad Jennings' story at The Athletic about baseball promotion and relegation? No. Okay, so I've heard people talk about this before, but I've never seen it put quite like this. So here's okay. his idea. Great. You split the league in two. You have 15 teams, maybe the 15 highest spending teams, or I, I don't know how you would figure it. And they are in, they're in the Premier League of baseball. The second 15 teams, and you probably add, uh, you probably, this is this is the perfect way to get, um, to get uh, expansion because really it should be 16 and 16. So you have a 16-team league, that's the Premier League, okay. and then you have a 16-team league that's what? The championship, right? Here's how he has it split up, which is great because this is the highest and lowest spending. So on the in the Premier League of baseball would be Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, Angels, Mets, Phillies, Nationals, Cardinals, Red Sox, Giants, Cubs, Braves, Padres, Twins, Blue Jays. Now, obviously, that can move around, okay. but that's essentially... The lowest spending, Reds, White Sox, Brewers, Athletics, Rockies, Royals, Diamondbacks, Tigers, Mariners, Rays, Rangers, Indians, Pirates, Orioles, and, well, not Indians anymore, Guardians, Pirates, Orioles, and Marlins. Okay, so it works exactly like like the the Premier League. The top, whatever, three teams in the, in the, in the lower or top four, whatever it is, move up. The bottom four in the other, move down. And they each play their own championships. They each play their own thing. You still have them play against each other. And this is where it could be super fun tournaments or things like that you could do. I got to tell you, man, I, I kind of love it. Yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. I really, I really do. Well, also, then you can do a thing where, you know, there's a whatever you want to call it, championship division or league or division one or whatever you want to call it, the sort of second tier. You could have playoffs within that league yeah. too right you right. can have a top four teams they have it. so there's a trophy you can get a trophy yes. for being the top you know low lower tier spending team or something right and then you could even do a thing where you have a play-in tournament and the top two teams that come out of that division join the top six teams from uh. the first division and then you have an eight-team playoff or whatever like right. you could there's a million options like once you start making this you're basically saying like have teams compete against similar, um, similar. I mean, think about how many years the A's would have won that oh, division yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Moneyball era. And then you put the A's, and then the A's aren't, you know, they're not um, underdogs in, in a sense because they are perennial champions of that, of that right. division. Right. And then they join the top spending teams. And yep. then suddenly... It's this suddenly they're everyone's rooting for them because it's like it's like when Lester won the Premier League. It's like exactly the, how do you how do you not root for Goliath to lose to David? So I, I don't know. I they, they'll never do this. They'll never in a million years not. do this of because it took them a hundred years to institute the DH <laughs> and then another fifty years to put the DH in the other league. I mean, they moved so impossibly slowly. Yeah, no, they would never come close to doing this ever. Yeah. But I gotta say I love it. I just think it's look. I think the National and American League concept. I mean, and 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 we're talking about me. I mean, I'm as traditionalist as they come, right? But it doesn't make any sense anymore. Nobody. There's no difference between the leagues. There's nope. no nobody. No. I mean, and and a couple of teams have moved around. I mean, you know, it's like the Astros have been both. The Brewers have been both. It doesn't. 
team players go back and forth between the leagues like it's nothing. There's always an interleague game going on. It doesn't it doesn't work anymore? And that's why the All Star game is. I mean, that's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why the All Star game doesn't mean anything anymore. Nobody cares. Yeah. There's no American League pride or National League pride. Nobody cares. And and it, and that will go even more with the Universal DH, right? Because like that was the last. Now there's not even a difference in the gameplay. Right. Yeah. Right. The game is exactly the same. So I I got to tell you, they'll, they'll never do it, and and it's probably even silly to talk about. But I love the idea. I love the idea of splitting the league and, and having promotion and relegation and 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 just re because I think baseball. I think something that people have lost sight of, in my view, this is per, per, my personal view. A lot of people are like, well, you know, the the you know NBA has a salary cap, the baseball should have a salary cap, or the NFL has a salary cap, or the NFL does this, or the NFL, NBA does that. And I think there's some things that baseball has been really, really slow to pick up on that those leagues have done way better. I also think baseball is really fundamentally different than every other sport and yeah. and and should embrace that to some degree. And, and they're, the way they're embracing it by making it like the game's way too long and, and, and all of that and having 162 games but still putting half the league in the playoffs, I'm not thrilled about any of those things, but... Baseball is different and, and should not be ashamed of that. Yeah, I know. I think you're right. And I think that the the salient, the, the, the most kind of um, prominent feature, I'll say, of the stewardship of baseball has been a, um, a sort of stubborn insistence that it doesn't ever need to change. Right. <laughs> that, that the way it is is fine and good. And that it doesn't need to change. And uh, and in some ways, because of its unique history, because of its th- – there's no clock, right? So right. the games can right. last. And I'm very happy that one of the details on this, by the way, is that we're back to nine-inning doubleheaders and we're <laughs> yeah. no, no more runner on second. Like I think – that that was okay. I I kind of liked it in in the COVID era where things were yeah, kind of disrupted. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, come on. Um, so there are ways in which it's it's adherence to tradition. I think are are useful, but there's an, there are other ways where like large scale disruptions in the way that the game is kind of like eagle eye view managed and overseen. I think there's a real um, there's a, they're at a real disadvantage to yes. doing radical things. Like if you think about the NBA, like the NBA when it merged with the ABA, like they took all the good ideas. Yeah, they from sure the did. ABA. They, they took sure the did. good ideas. <laughs> and and as a result, we have the three-pointer and we have we have like key innovations in the game and the, I think right now if the if the MLB had merged with another competitive baseball league, they yeah. would have they would have taken zero of the new ideas. They just wouldn't <laughs> you know they would what? take the, nothing. But that's such a good point that I had never thought about before. NFL when they merged with the AFL, took a bunch of stuff, right? Like they 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 took I mean, morely more style of play type stuff, right? Not not so much rule changes or whatever, but they kind of took some some ideas from that, and then obviously the Super Bowl came out of that, and then in the late seventies they they really pretty dramatically changed the game to get the passing attack, you know, be a, a big part of the game, and and obviously they have never stopped changing, right? The NBA merged with the ABA and and took a bunch of great things. Obviously, the, you know the dunk contest and the dunk and three point line and 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 so on and so on and so on. 
well, baseball's never had a competitive league because it's a monopoly. Right. So there, there is no league. In fact, probably the last time that baseball took anything from anybody else was when the Negro Leagues started to, to fold and, right. and come into there, right? And 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 think about all of the incredible, uh, you know, uh, game game things that they got out of out of getting all these great Negro Leagues players. So so yeah, I think there's been a real insular issue with baseball that is frustrating. But but your point about them not making change, I I, I want to bring up one more point that we should go to uh, to our uh, unofficial nicknames. Um, so one of the rule changes that they are going to make, that the players have basically allowed the owners to make, um, is the bases are going to get larger, yeah. I think, starting next year. Uh, the pitch clock's going to come in, they're going to ban the shift, and the bases are going to get larger. So what, a lot of people... By the way, what are the details on the shift ban, by the way? I, I think that they're still working out. I could be wrong about that. I think that last I'd heard it was going to be, you know, two feet on the infield... And uh, two people, you know, people on opposite sides of second base. So they're doing base. both. It's people on opposite sides of the base both. and that you have to start with your foot I, on the infield dirt? I think so. That was certainly what I've heard. I don't know. that. I don't know that they've actually come up with the actual rule. But I believe that's some of the rules in the minors uh, that they were, that were playing around with. So I think it might be both, but Do I'm not sure. Do you think that against... Uh, Rizzo and Gallo and and guys like that. Do you think anyone will take their left fielder and put them where they have been putting their um, short right fielder? Do you think just anyone to, will just risk to shut that? down the line drive? Boy, it's a risk, right? Because then then a, a long fly ball, you're not even going to get and to any it. fly ball. Any ball to the outfield and left is isn't inside the park home run. Or, yeah, or well, a triple. yeah, yeah. But, but I kind of think that against Gallo, Gallo bunted a couple times. Yeah, but he never tried to go. No, he, never he tried was, to slap the ball the other way. He was hammering it. He was. He was. Yeah, you know, he took the Ted Williams approach, which is I'm going to hit through it, and yeah. and of course he's the opposite of Ted Williams. He also strikes out 250 times a year. But um, but here's the thing. So so you you talk about baseball's unwillingness to change or or how difficult it is to change. These rules are going to be pretty dramatic. And the one that really sort of has people baffled is this bigger base. Like, well, what the heck is that all about? So that idea I heard from Theo Epstein a few years ago. And the idea is that 90 feet between the bases is sacrosanct. But nobody really knows how much is the actual distance between the bases because it's not 90 feet from corner to corner. Right. It's 90 feet from the end of the bag all the way to the other bag. So it's actually closer to 88 feet between the bases. Right. What they want to do is expand the bases by three inches each. So essentially cut a half foot to a foot off of the distance between, right? Because you have three inches on either side uh, that you're adding. And then maybe even make them even bigger, make it six inches on either side or whatever the case may be. Here's the thing. If the NBA looked at baseball, if the NBA was running baseball, and they decided, you know what would really make the game better? Make the distance between the bases shorter. They wouldn't hesitate to do right, that. Right. But in baseball, it's like, no, it has to be 90 feet. And the only way to get around that is to, like, work these bizarre workarounds to, like, trick people. So it's like, no, it's still 90 feet between the bases. Just the bases are bigger now. Like, it's so it's, is it's that is the idea that baseball. to promote, like, base stealing, basically? Base stealing, and I think also putting the ball in play more. The, the idea, like, to think of all of those um, plays at the at first that if there was if the base was three inches or 
a little bit closer that it would have been safe. Like the idea is that's the, by the way, pure, pure theory, right? Like nobody knows that this would do anything at all. Right. But the idea is that it would encourage more base dealing because they're already so successful. I mean, they're right now that they've never been more successful. They're, they're, they're stealing 75, 76% of bases. It's just that nobody which, tries anymore. Nobody tries anymore. Yeah. And maybe, maybe those two are connected. Maybe they only steal when they know they're going to make it. But, um, but the idea is to try to encourage some of that. Um, you know, I, don't I, know. I don't know why they don't institute the thing I keep pitching to anyone who will listen, which right. is the softball base at first base. Okay. There is a bag like currently that starts at the foul line and moves into fair territory. Yep. And then a second bag that starts from the same place and extends to the right into foul territory for the base runner to step on. Because the rule for the base runner is you have to run down to first in foul territory. If the ball right. strikes you while you're in fair territory on like a bunt or a, a soft grounder, right. you're out because you're in fair territory. So you have to run all the way down in foul territory and then essentially step back into fair territory to touch the base. It doesn't make yes. any sense. It's insane. Right. If you put, if you doubled the bag and put the like softball does and yeah. had an entire base worth of material also in foul, in foul territory. territory, you could yeah. just run straight through the bag. That's and right. also, I can't believe that it would be. Uh, I I have to believe it would be easier. Essentially, first of all, you no one would ever trip over everybody, anybody else the way that they right. sometimes get their feet tangled. Right on the play where the where the pitcher is running to cover first base, they wouldn't collide with the base runner. No, you'd they, have more. You'd have you'd right? have your own base basically. And in the future, by the way, you can do a thing where you put sensors in the shoes of the runners <laughs> that when they touch the foul side of the base the base lights up and it would help the umpire or whatever oh, I would love that it would help yeah. the umpire get a sense of whether the throw beat the runner or not and granted that matters less now that there's instant replay and whatever but but i i just don't understand why they don't do that i think it's because it looks they probably think it looks dorky or something but it just it doesn't the rules don't make sense. You have to run in fair foul territory and then step into fair territory. Oh, it's ridiculous. And ankles it's... get people suffer serious injuries. That oh, are, very that, much so. You know, that's there have been famous seasons lost because of collisions at first base. There have been concussions and and broken ankles and twisted knees and and MCL sprains and everything else. A lot of that stuff would be at least, not wouldn't solve it, but it would it would be a lot less frequent, I think, than it is now. Why do they agree. do that? Why do no one listens to me? No one listens to you. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> just come on. Just let, let's go. All well, right. I guess to wrap this up, we'll say thank God there's baseball. There's baseball. That's great. I implore, I implore the stewards of the game in the future to maybe just pretend that you like the game that you <laughs> just, that just for enjoying. fun, just, just for pretend. us, just for yeah. just for just for appearances. I know you don't really care, but just pretend because some of us do like it, and it would be lovely if we thought that the guys who owned the teams also or, liked it, or, or at least didn't actively dislike it. That's at right. Least. At least they you actually know. don't 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 despise it and want it to fail, <laughs> which is the current situation. All right, so we have some unofficial nicknames. To discuss with the the unofficial nickname that we're supposed to come up with this week is for the Dodgers. Uh, okay. We have a couple of suggestions, but before we do that, there were a couple of people who made very strong points. One is we've already covered this ground. We skipped over Atlanta as the Braves because 
we just said their unofficial nickname already is the Bravos, right? right. So we said, Correct. okay. And a a uh, brilliant listener made the unbelievably embarrassingly fair point <laughs> that we want to call them the Hammers. We've been saying on this podcast <laughs> for like ten years that they should be called the Hammers. What's what's I don't what's the point? I don't I don't. So what? So what if we've been saying that? Don't they? Don't people understand now that we have no institutional memory and forget everything that we ever say and that nothing we say matters? I mean, were they not listening when we gave the absolute correct position on whether the pitcher should jump into the catcher or the uh, yeah arms? Don't they remember that whole debacle? So I do believe hammers should be the unofficial nickname. All right, fine. That, that's fine. way better. Well, than you know, Bravos, some of these teams right? can have two unofficial nicknames. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think Bravos should work anymore. I think that it should be hammers. It should just All be right, hammers. Fine, we'll switch it out. No problem. The good <laughs> right. thing about this is that we can literally drop whatever we've done in the past at a moment's notice <laughs> and just change it. There's. No, it's not like we're submitting this to the Smithsonian or something. Well, we are actually submitting oh, it to the Smithsonian. Right. I know, know you didn't know that, but yeah. No, now, they, did we did we say that the Mets were the Amazons or the Let's Goes? I think we said Amazons with Let's Goes as a backup. Okay. I believe okay. is what we did. Now, somebody that, along the Amazons line, somebody was said that that is not a podcast addition. Uh, that that is. That was already existing, so we should not take credit for well, the Amazons. Who's taking credit for any of this? No, we are. About? We are taking credit. No, that's <laughs> ridiculous. All right. A couple of other uh, points. Somebody said that we actually, we have called the Washington the Beltways, and they said that we actually changed that to the Feds. To the Feds, yes. That yes. one I realized after the last one of these we did. Yes, we had chosen okay. the Feds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they're the Feds. Yeah. So that's good. And so now we got to go into the into the uh, National League West, I believe. Oh, and and there's also people who absolutely think it should be the Chili. Cincinnati should be the Chili singular, not the Chili's. I'm down with plural. that. I think that's cooler. Yeah, because chili, chili is, is like a big stew. It's a big pot of stuff. Like it yes. doesn't need to be pluralized. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair, especially because let's face it. Poor Chili fans out there. It's it. You know I mean, that's that team does not seem to care anymore. So that's and not they, great. they were pretty good last year. I know, and now they're not even trying to make any effort to like follow up on that. Even though this might very well be the last uh, the last year for uh, podcast legend uh, Joey Votto. So I I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so I we have so in the NL West we have the Friars are the Padres. The Friars are the Padres. That is already done. And somebody was saying that the Rockies. Uh, should really be the rocks r-o-x no too close to the too close to the actual name no, i mean that's right. part of what i don't like about the bravos part of the reason hammers is better is because it's like you can't call houston's unofficial nickname is not the Strohs. you can't just true. drop that's off right. a letter that's or right you know you're right you're right all right so uh the one we were looking at is the dodgers i i gotta tell you i'm not in love with what i've heard so far okay so so far i've seen there was one there were more than one who said they should be called the Lads for L.A.D., L.A. Dodgers, the Lads, which I don't like. Um, somebody said they should be the Scullies, which is okay. which is good, which is good. And then somebody else said they should be the Blue. That that that, that is a fairly uh, thing. But the problem with the Blue is, I, I don't, is there Blue really better than like the Royals blue or like, I, I don't think they're the blue. I don't yeah. Think I, I mean, 
I think of Go Blue or Let's Go Blue as like the University Michigan. of Michigan, right? Yeah, that's a Michigan thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously it's another submission is the Bums because that's what the they bums, were called. Right. That's what they were called in Brooklyn. Right. That to me is honestly is the leading contender. I like Ooh. that. It, I like that it connects. It is, I mean, first of all, it obviously predates us by a century, <laughs> but also um, it has a, it has a connection to their Brooklyn days. It reminds right. me of the of the of the uh, the Jackie Robinson era, yes. the pre Jackie yes. Robinson era, really like, um, and of course the name Dodgers came from came from dodging streetcar streetcar right. trolleys and stuff. So it it feels appropriate. Of, of of these, I would go with bums. I don't know what you think. Yeah, bums is really good. Look, I think the Scullies is nice, and it, and it, or the Vins, either one. Yeah. But the problem is, it doesn't roll off the tongue. If you're no. if you have a friend and you're saying the the whole idea of this is you come up to your friend and they're like, oh, you're in Boston, and they're like, oh, you want to go to the game tonight? Oh, who are the Red Sox playing? If you said the Scullies, I don't know that that doesn't feel that feels like like it might be you know. You might be talking about a television show or something. You know, what I mean, it doesn't, it yeah, doesn't it feel doesn't, like baseball. I mean, the the thought behind it is perfect. Right, it's perfect. Yeah, but it just but if, if his name I, were like, if it were, if his name were Jack Scully and you called him the Jacks, the Jacks, or something, See, that like maybe, maybe I think the Bums. But if you said if you're if somebody said hey who are they playing tonight, you said oh they're playing the Bums. That's fair. I think yeah, they would know that's the I mean, Dodgers. I think that you're more likely to know what that means if you're like a Giants fan, you know? Right. Like a, but that's the only problem with it is like Redbirds or the Bucks or the Feds. Even if you don't know anything, if I said they're playing the Feds, you go, who the Feds? Oh, that must be the team from Washington. <laughs> right. The Bums right. doesn't suggest anything about the team to a, to a casual fan. Right. But I think, but I like that though, that it would still be. All right, I'll give you one. G- given that they do play in LA now. Yes. Is there anything to saying like their unofficial nickname is just Hollywood or, you know what I mean? Some, something that's about the city, like, like okay. the, the palm trees or, um, you know, the strip for the Sunset Strip or, you know what right. I mean? Like, is there anything like that that we're missing that's obvious? Yeah, like the palm trees is good, but it's too, it's too, too on the long. Nose. You want it to be yeah. one word, really. Yeah, it needs to be one word. And, and, you know, I mean, like, could you say they're playing the Lala's? I mean, would that work? Like, is that like a, like a, a thing? Interesting. You know, I mean, that's, that's considering that's a possibility, (laughs) right? (laughs) All right. So I think we're down to bums and Lala's, but I don't think we have a consensus on this yet. I think, I think we might need more reader, uh, listener. Yeah. So let's uh, let's say that bums and lalas are the co-leaders in the clubhouse, and then right. see if people can beat it with a Hollywood or LA themed. Yes. Nickname. Yes. Don't go to don't go to Brooklyn history on this. Let's yeah. let's if see it's if going to be Brooklyn related, we call them the bums. I think that's we clear. call them the bums, right? Yeah. But if you if you've got something like the lalas is not bad. If you got something LA that really rolls off the tongue. Um, Hit us. Let's, let's let's go ahead. And by the way, for for those of you who are who are interested, uh, there is now a podcast uh, newsletter that is there on my uh, Substack at JoePosnanski.com. It's completely yes. free. You get a free. You, you get a whole recap of everything that we talked about. You get a little recap. You get you get the comments if you want to ask questions or or uh, give us unofficial nicknames or or did, like I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, in the last podcast, people will remember. Of course, because I know everybody who's listening here memorizes everything we do. 
we we broke down the all time. Well, we just basically made up a team of fruit. Somebody said make a up baseball a, a baseball team, team with fruit at every position. With fruit at every position. And and we did that. And 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 not only did we do it, we did it perfectly. I'm sorry. I, I, mean, I I've said this a number of times now, but it's worth saying again. I think it's the single greatest creative accomplishment of my career <laughs> and yours. Yes. I really yes. do. No, I don't think there's anything even close to it to be and look, I just heard that you wrote a book, and I still think this is better than that. Had I not mentioned that? No, when you never say anything on this podcast. I wrote a book. It's called How to Be Perfect. It's out now in stores everywhere. But forget about that. It doesn't matter because no. I surpassed it as you did with your book, The Baseball 100. <laughs> I, we surpassed the level of achievement by coming up with our all-fruit team. It is amazing. It's a and per- I'm sorry. It's, if a, you, it's it, a perfect achievement. It's the it's our Sistine Chapel. It's our it Guernica. Our, yes. It, whatever yes. you want to call it. It's, it is it's our, our Citizen Kane. We, it's, we, the we, ring, it's beyond Citizen Kane. It's the ring cycle. It's a it's an enormous, <laughs> it's, an, it's a, a day-long opera of perfection. It is. It really is. And if you have not uh, heard it, we're not going to go over it again. It is available uh, over at JoePostanski.com in the uh, in the newsletter, and would love for you to join. If you want to join, join in, give us some information. Based on this, in our last newsletter, Rick Bender decided to come up with a baseball fruit team named after players. Ooh! So, so how about this? Listen to this. You got uh, starting pitcher. You got Bob Lemon. Very Perfect. good. Right. Uh, Ed Figueroa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Frank Tanana, which I'm not giving him. I'm not giving him yeah, that Yeah, that's one. a stretch. It's good. Swingman, they have Pete Appleton. Very good. Sure. Relievers, Rick Grapenthin, <laughs> Rocky Cherry, and Emiliano Fruto. Wow. Okay, not, ba- not bad. Not bad. Your catcher is either Damon Berryhill or Bill Plummer. Both very good. Great. First base, Sean Barry. Mm-hmm. Second baseman, excellent pick. I, I, I Not a player I know. Grady Orange. Really? Yeah, Grady Orange. Very right. nice. Shortstop, Bobby Wine. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, now, I mean, but, I, I'm sure that they looked and there's no better example. I we guess need, there must not be a better one. We, need a, we definitely need a shortstop named like Steve Grape. We do. <laughs> we you gotta we let's, do. let's try to get find a kid named Steve Grape and we do baseball. we do. Uh, third baseman uh, Sean Figgins, very nice. Okay. Outfielder Ken Berry, Chet Lemon, Jim Lemon. Okay, right. so really, really playing up on the, the citrus. Lemons. The citrus is key to this team. Yeah, definitely so. DH Gerald Strawberry. A lot of people thought our right fielder should have been Strawberry. You could not disagree more. Correctly, correct? I correctly pointed out when I heard that criticism that that's far too sensible and thus has no business being anywhere near this project. We also got really criticized for not putting the peach in center field for the Georgia peach for Ty Cobb. And I got to uh, tell you, come on, guys. Yeah, that's it's not. F. It's not about finding the fruit that relates right. to a specific player who played that position. It's what. What? How? Which fruit would be the best at playing <laughs> right. that position if it right. had to play that position? And and in addition to that, I mean, yeah, we're not putting Ty Cobb. Like, like, what are you kidding me? I mean, come on. But again, it's irrelevant. It's not about what fruit is the closest to, to a specific exactly. player. It's nothing to do with that. It's <laughs> it's right. about if the fruit were playing these positions, which right. fruit would be best at playing them? That's exactly. the, that's the whole point. And I think it's obvious to anybody who is aware of fruit that an apple is your center fielder yes, over a peach. The peach course, is not playing center course. field. 
Oh. Peach is the center fielder for like your double A franchise. Maybe, they, maybe they're like, you're, "Look, you, kid, you're never going to make it to the majors." Just, <laughs> just. <laughs> All right. One other person uh, on the unofficial nicknames wanted to know if we were uh, dead set on bleachers for the Cubs uh, because they really were pushing for baby bears. Hmm. I don't know. I don't uh, baby bears again. I have to little, tell you, uh, I'm first of all, we're not dead set on any of this. Let's no, just get we, that we out literally right will change all of these before we're done. <laughs> but second of all, <laughs> I'm not. I have to say, I'm not dead set on the bleachers for the. Cubs. No, it's, I've I'm never not been. It's it's no. again. It's like the theory is correct, right? But the execution leaves something to be desired. Where I yeah, do, I agree. it doesn't quite roll off the roll off the tongue, or it doesn't hit hard in the way that you no. want it to hit hard. No, that's why I think. Uh, well, look, these are all still open. Any any one of these uh, can be uh, replaced if, with the right answer. Yeah, and we're not and we're not we're not going to hold out. Um, okay, so so we're we're going to look back at the Dodgers. I think next week we need to look at another team in the American League and the National League West. Uh, however, somebody did make the the very strong point that the Diamondbacks really are the snakes. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I think that one that one resonated with me. I think yep. that's right. I'm entering think, that into the official document. I right think now. that's going in official. Yeah, that I think they're the snakes. That's right. And the Padres are the Friars. So what do we want to do? The Giants next week, maybe? Giants or Rockies? Uh, let's do the Giants. Let's go to the direct rivals of the LA Dodgers. Yeah. So we'll send in. So send in your Dodger. Uh, um, you know, uh, unofficial nicknames. If you feel you can beat Lala's or Bums, don't don't send something. Yeah, don't don't send Come something on, for us. Let's, this is a serious endeavor. We don't want your <laughs> casual uh, suggestions. Only right? No, re- real answers only, please. Real answers only, please. And then uh, and then anything for the Giants, uh, because I think that's going to be an interesting one to see if uh, uh, you know pull something out of San Francisco that's going to work. And and uh, I think that's going to be great. All right. Time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know. Like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast was. One last one. Uh, Mike, you want to go first? So I, I, uh, I had a car and I the lease uh, ended, and about uh, six months ago. Okay. And I turned in the car and everything went fine, and I got a new car that I'm also leasing. And five and a half months went by, and then I got a letter in the mail. <laughs> That says, uh, hey, there was, uh, this is a letter of, you know, you're receiving this because there's an outstanding balance that exists on your lease. And I thought, what the hell is that? What are you talking about? Like, made my last lease payment. I turned the car in. What could this be? And it says, here's a, so uh, here's here's what you're liable for. And it says, uh, remaining Whoa. scheduled lease payments, $0. Past due lease <laughs> payments, $0. Unpaid official fees and taxes, $0. Okay. Excess mileage, zero dollars okay tickets violations and toll fees zero dollars okay other unpaid charges zero dollars security deposit administration fee zero dollars account credit zero dollars excess wear and tear four thousand six hundred and seventy nine dollars <laughs> and eleven cents 
<laughs> and I was like, what? And there's no explanation. There's no thing that says there was a dent on the side and there was a scrape here and the brake pads were worn down and this and that. It literally just says excess wear and tear is the category. $4,679.11. And then it wow. says, please pay these uh, end charges within five business days of receiving this. And if you don't, you're liable for interest and this and that and this additional fee and charges may be blah, 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 blah. And wow. the, the letter was mailed on on February 25th. And I got it on March 9th. So it's already it's already two weeks past the time or a week and a half past the time when I apparently have started to incur interest rates oh uh, on excess wear and tear. And it's just it is remarkable to me because obviously I'm going to call these people and, say, and demand to know what this $4,700 of excess wear and tear is. But I just can't believe that we live in a world where you can just get a single piece of paper. Oh, my God. That says, by the way, you owe $4,700. <laughs> they don't explain why, what it is. They don't have a picture. There's no reference. They're not go to this website. You can look at the – and right. it, It's just a piece of paper that says, give us $4,700 or you're in trouble. <laughs> I can't believe – how? what is this system? What are we that, doing? That, this is that, insane. This is, that absolutely should not exist. By the way, man, you are hard on cars. Wow. I, mean, I don't think I'm that hard on cars. <laughs> You're probably not. I'm really not. Like, I feel like it was, I mean, I think it was, I had had it for, I think, four years. Okay. So it had a it had a couple dings here and there. Like, it doesn't surprise me that there is some, some charge that I had to pay. But I don't think it's $4,700. <laughs> and, and even if it is... You can't just send a letter that says, no. give me $4,700. That's not how this works. And with no explanation, literally nothing. Zero. Literally nothing. zero explanation. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's not meaningless. I got to tell you. No, that it's is, a little too is, meaningful, but it is. Little... it happened yesterday, and I, I just can't stop thinking about it and how no, crazy it is. No, because it's yeah. ridiculous. It's absolutely horrifying. All right. My one last meaningless thing. I have become, I, I don't, I don't know why these things happen to me. I get like obsessed over the weirdest things and I just start like, I, I, I don't even know how to say it. So like, I'm always in, in danger. Like somebody will tell me you ought to binge watch this show. That's a real danger thing for me because if I really like that show, I will binge watch it in like I will not sleep I will I will spend the next 36 hours watching literally every episode sure. of that show like sure. I'm I am obsessive this way somewhere about a month ago maybe I started watching Bob Ross painting videos on okay. YouTube okay they're so relaxing they're so I don't have you ever watched a, a good uh, yeah, Bob of Ross course. of course I yeah. have yeah they're so relaxing they're so like, you know, and I don't paint and I never will paint. And I've never looked at even one time at one of these videos and thought I ought to get a canvas and do some painting. Never. I'm just watching because I'm amazed. I'm amazed at all artists like any, any, you know, not just in, 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 you know, art, like painting, but sculpting music. I, I saw this wonderful documentary called Score, which talks about the people who, who make scores of, of music, film scores your Hans Zimmers and John Williams of the world. It was great. It was great. And you just see these people like they, they watch uh, a scene 
And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I know what the music for that should be. And then they invent, create, it's unbelievable. Right. So that's what this is. So this, you know, this guy with like not, there's, there's so many things I love about him. There's so many things I love about him. One of the things I love about him is that he uses, like, they're not really paintbrushes. They're like the kind of paintbrushes you would see in your garage. You know, I mean, like, right. they're like, it's like, oh, I'm going to use the two inch brush. And you're like, no, that's what you use to paint like a door. And he'll just go like, watch this. And then there's like a perfect, beautiful sky. And then he'll say something like, oh, and this is how you make water. And he'll like do three strokes or whatever. And then he'll go, oh, okay. And you want uh, like to have reflections in the water. And then he'll pull down a little bit. And then the water has perfect reflections. And, and he's like joking all the time. And after 25 minutes or 24 minutes or however long the actual show is, You've got like a beautiful painting sitting there looking at you and you have no idea how it happened. So I believe I've watched already like a hundred of these. I, 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 I tend to watch one every day, uh, sometimes two. If I'm like in, like in a bad place in the writing where I'm just like, oh, I just need a little break. I just pop on a Bob Ross. My whole YouTube page is basically like chess things, uh, Seth Meyers and Bob Ross. That's basically the only <laughs> things that I have on my YouTube page. And I think it's really, really weird and makes absolutely no sense. But I don't care. I love it so much. I just It just makes me so happy. Well, I mean, who's going to complain about this? I think exactly. This, like this, you know, you, you found something you love and you watch it a lot and it's <laughs> peaceful and harmless. Why, why in the world... <laughs> In the world, would anyone be upset Nobody, about No, this? I don't think anybody would be upset about it. It's just very weird because, like, I don't know. It seems like I should have, like, it should inspire me to do something, and it doesn't. It just inspires me to watch it. Great. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I never, ever look at it and think. Because he is, in every episode, he'll say, like, you know, hey, we're going to run the colors across the screen so that you who are at home or painting with me can have the same colors. And it's all like phthalo blue and, 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 uh, you know, the different yellows or whatever. And I, I just sit there and just gaze at it and watch it and like (laughs) just mesmerized by it. I know, no, like so many things. Like, I feel like I could write a book about Bob Ross now. Like, I feel like, I feel like I know him. There actually is some very weird not specific to Bob Ross, but to the way the Bob Ross estate has been run. There was a whole Netflix documentary about some real issues with can that. I, can and I everything. pitch something to you? Yes. You write a book called The Bob Ross 100, where you break down Bob <laughs> Ross's greatest 100 paintings of all time. <laughs> it would be so great. And I would be able to in each one because there's something that he does. So this is the final meaningless point of this. There's something Bob Ross does in every single episode that makes me so happy. So... Uh, he'll he'll be doing the painting and then he'll blend it and then he needs a, uh, to dry off the brush or clean the brush. So he always cleans the brush the same way. He dips the brush into the bucket and like scrapes it on the bottom against some, uh, you know, some um, screen that he has down there at the bottom. Then he shakes off the excess and then he pops it and then he like wraps it against this this uh, like little little pole that they have down below that is holding up the painting. And he just rip, just back and forth, bat, 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 with, the, with the brush. He does this every show and it, it tickles him every single show. He'll like, every single time, he'll just start laughing and he'll go, oh, just beat the devil out of that. And like every single time. 
<laughs> and it makes me so happy. I don't know. I, you know what? This couldn't be more meaningless. But I got to tell you how I live. This is this is this is the way I live. Is 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 writing baseball, talking podcast, and watching Bob Ross videos. That's basically it. Well, on uh, Thursday, March tenth, six thirty p.m. Yes. Pacific time. Uh, here's what's happening in sports. Okay. Brooklyn is beating. Uh, the 76ers by 32 points in the third That's quarter. That's unbelievable. I, I, don't, is, I honestly don't see how anybody's beaten that that team, but apparently when really, really great players like Kevin Durant say they want to win, that's it. He, they, just, they, decide, he just decided yeah. that he wasn't going to lose today. <laughs> right. uh, Freddie Freeman is apparently going to choose between the Braves and the Yankees. Oh, please. Uh, oh, no. Please, please, please. Please, And please. most importantly, the baseball lockout is over. Oh. We are now going to get to watch baseball this year. That that's okay. The state so of the so so last question for you: official position. Better to have a baseball season if Freddie Freeman goes to the Yankees, or better oh. to have no baseball season at all. All right, it's obviously better to have a baseball <laughs> season, but man, will that be awful if he goes oh. to that team? Oh, oh. just please, what a, Freddie. What a bummer. First, oh. Rizzo, Rizzo spends the second half of the year there last year, and then he gets replaced by Freddie Freeman. Oh, please, Freddie. Please, Freddie. Freddie. Do the Freddy. right thing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.